0: And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside.
1: You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo.
0: We are joined by our old friend, Jeff Ellis, uh, who is, you know, doing a host of locked on Indians, I believe. And you said to Jeff that uh, that's about it these days.
1: Yeah, and I have uh, my random writing at uh, MLBDraftNow.blogspot.com. Uh, I just haven't had a chance to really do too much scouting for next year's draft. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm a little, I'm always behind in the summer, though. I'll be honest. The summer, I know I should be hitting showcases and stuff like that. But, uh, me being more analytical, like seeing one game of a player isn't uh, as valuable to me. So the summer is always kind of a, a, a low period. I'd, I'd like to go to Wrigley for the big event that's typically there, but I don't even know if that happened this year or so, or because that normally happens in July. So it's, it's mostly been an Indians focus so far with uh, once the season ends, we'll see what happens with baseball in the spring. Who knows at this point?
0: Yeah, it's going to be a really strange. I mean, it's already been a very strange summer, obviously, but it's going to be a really strange uh, draft. Uh, gonna it just feels like there's going to be a lot more players next next year that some teams don't have anything on that are going like going in the second
1: round. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, I just when you think about the number of guys who got you know eight nine games or if you're a starter, four games, yeah, in 2019, and then even if like everything gets figured out by the spring if they push football to the spring does baseball not get as much you know is, like is football going to have an effect on baseball it's going to be uh it's it's going to be dramatic to watch but i guess you know as, as tigers fans the uh, the hunt for the number 1 pick is not quite as a, a big deal in the early goings of this year so maybe not as much of a concern
0: yeah you know it's i think tigers fans would would still like to Keep adding top prospects, but it doesn't feel as uh, imperative this year. You're right, and I don't know. That is that is an interesting question. I I don't see how if they play spring football, does that mean they'll play fall football again? They're going to take like two months off and then play another season. I was
2: going to ask the same thing because I think that there was there would be a concern with even from a, from a seating standpoint too. You pay for two seat licensing um rights for Michigan, like for Michigan has that. Yeah, I mean point, yeah, it's they're
0: not going to give anybody discounts, but yeah, I mean yeah. It, there's there's mm-hmm. going to be so much up in the I, air, but. Uh,
1: I know Ohio State's coach came out today and said he'd like to start in January so they could play like nine games before uh, before the draft happened. So, yeah, I think they would count on like, hey, we close down at mid-April and you guys come back in August. I hope your body's arrested.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose it, it wouldn't be that much different than uh, like the NFL, I guess. But, uh, you know, anyway, I mean, there's a lot that still needs to be determined. But we actually do have baseball now and Cleveland is playing, and so are the Tigers, and they're playing each other very soon, right?
2: Yeah, so this weekend, they kick off a three-game series where right now, in terms of pitcher-wise, I'm not sure what's going on with Clevenger
0: and... Pleaseak yeah. Plesak, I don't...
2: And the whole thing. I know Shane Beaver's going on Friday, but the Indians, I know the social distraction aside with what's going on, to, at 10-8, are you surprised with the record, or are you kind of... You expect a little better, a little less. It, and, I, and we talked about last week, our good, a bad, and ugly. The Indians were ugly because the they're not getting any production from the outfield. You see the likes of Jordan uh, Limpo or Lippo trap, trap batting, uh, you know, nice uh, 038. 038. So, um, but in terms of expectations so far, Jeff, what are, you, what are your thoughts about the Indians?
1: Well, Lala. Uh, first off, uh, the there will be no Plesac or um, or Clevenger this weekend, and Bieber got the pushback to Saturday, so you'll see uh, Saval Friday and then Plutko uh, Sunday. So it's uh, definitely going to be an easier matchup uh, than it would have been if everyone was uh, there, because the Indians have that off day. They had one Monday, they have an off day Thursday, and then they have another off day Monday. So they might not uh, let either of those guys pitch until next weekend they can get away with a four-man rotation for a bit so i think that's probably what they're going to be doing i i talked about uh on the lockdown indians this was a high variance team just because there's so many players that could break so many ways luplo is um it's not his fault it's horrible coaching uh luplo against left-handed errors a year ago was one of the best hitters in baseball. He had a, you know, an OPS well over 900. He murders left-handed pitching. Uh, and that's something that that's why they went out and acquired him and for some reason both Sandy Alomar and uh, Tito Francona before then, before him, cuz uh, Alomar was a manager for about a week, decided that, you know we're going to let him try to hit righties even though the the empirical evidence shows he can't. So they and he was hurt. So he missed a significant amount of time. He comes back and they put him in situations where he's just going to fail so that's that's a little bit uh in his case not his fault but I, I thought you know oscar mercado was is going to be like a league average player and he was incredibly streaky a year ago and i warned everyone on the podcast like he's going to be a below average bat i think when it's all said and done he's, he's an above average defender but uh you know the other outfield spots i mean there, there's a reason why Domingo Santana was available as late as he was. And the fact that Fran Mill Reyes came to camp out of shape, uh, he's actually hit very well this last week. But Domingo Santana is just, he might be the worst everyday uh, outfielder in terms of defense. And Fran Mill, there's no, it speaks to how bad the out of shape Fran Mill was. I apologize if you can hear the train in the background. Uh, I didn't realize I lived quite that close to the tracks. Good to know. But uh, I do too, so don't (laughs) worry about it. Uh, but Fran Mill came, you know, if, if Domingo Santana looks better defensively at camp than you, I mean, you came to camp in bad shape. Uh, I, I expected Fran Mill to play better, uh, but they probably did buy high on him. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy who before his breakout year went unselected in the Rule 5 draft. He was that, you know, was not always super high thought of. I have had major concerns about the bullpen in the last two games. It's been a disaster. And it's kind of held together with glue and duct tape uh the starting rotation when all pieces are there can carry this team and it's nice to see jose ramirez come out strong though he has cooled a little bit over the last week Uh, lindor looks like he is pressing uh carlos santana is going to try to walk more than he he have more walks and hits this year but uh even though he's doing you know trying to set that uh that pace he's still being productive at least uh, Roberto Perez is a huge loss because, uh, Sandy Leone is terrible and he was always terrible. And that was one of those moves with a team that was counting every penny to go out and give him, you know, seven figures when I thought for sure he could have just been, uh, really bait was, uh, a questionable move. You know, it's better to have paid someone like Tyler Clippard, who was a, a pretty studying force in that pen than pay Sandy Leone. And they made that choice and he has been awful. So you're, you're hoping Perez comes back and it's honestly the point in time where I'm like, well, I don't think Delano De Shields can ever be a league average bat, but he'll give you plus plus defense and plus plus base running. So, uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and put him in the ninth spot because that's going to be an upgrade. Uh, at least Zimmer is a bit of a pleasant surprise, but I mean, he really hasn't played baseball for a year and a half. So his production is good for what it is, but uh, inconsistencies. And yeah, it's... <laughs> It's not unsurprising. I think Lindor is the only one where I'm a little shocked that he has been uh, as relatively closer to mediocre as he's been.
0: Yeah, I mean, from, from the outside, it just appears to be
1: a team with about
0: two and a half bats and uh, still pretty impressive hitting or pitching, which is it is kind of crazy to me. We're all pretty envious of the way that Cleveland has been able to develop the pitching to be like, you know, you lose Corey Kluber, you lose Trevor Bauer, and it doesn't matter. It seems <laughs> like, you know, you just, I know, Clevengers would be better, and uh, Bieber will be fantastic, and you know, Savale and Police Act, they can do their thing. It's just, it's remarkable, and it's, it feels like a shame that they can't surround them with a better offense right now.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, Cesar Hernandez has actually picked it up in the last week. So it's like, I always, you know, we knew Cesar Hernandez was going to be around league average, and you'll take that because Jason Kipnis was not. And, Ramirez and Lindor are supposed to be borderline MVP candidates. Carlos Santana is a very good first baseman and Pramil Reyes is supposed to be an above average bat. A healthy Roberto Perez with what he brings defensively plus the power, you're happy there. But beyond that, I mean, every other spot I went into the season being like, you're hoping for average league, average production at best. I I did not have a lot of faith. Uh, I thought eventually maybe Daniel Johnson would be a a good platoon partner with Leplo, but that, I mean, I I spent the entire offseason coming up with trades to get outfielders. That was a big part of, you know, locked on. The whole brand is the five days a week thing. And uh, during the offseason, it can be hard to come up with five days a week of baseball uh, for, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a time. And while you do a lot historically, you also go team by team. Uh, seeing what trades make sense. So I literally went through every team, and I think every team, I I came together with at least one trade that would make sense for the Indians in an outfielder, because they they don't have much on the horizon there either. Um, I should pull up the tweet. Like I had a, since 2000, if you take every single player the Indians have drafted who was a high school outfielder, uh, or no, who was just an outfielder, not even high school. What am I saying? Outfielder in general. Their top five by war involved like Know, tyler naquin is is up there and he's the star of the show uh it's it, when he is the star of your show that's a really bad sign and they've had since 2000 only one prep outfielder is uh, uh no they haven't had a single prep outfielder appear in over 100 games in the majors that they've drafted and they've had some high wow. drafted
0: was, was it prep months? outfielders
1: uh you know uh Frazier is the only one who has a chance to do that, but yeah, it's, they cannot develop, um, outfielders. There's not much on the horizon and it's, uh, bring up George Valera. What was that? I said, bring up George Valera. Oh, (laughs) I, I'm probably not. I'm a person where I get nervous about K rates. Yeah. That's always going to be my concern. It's like a lot of people were talking about that the Indians should trade uh, Clevenger for Drew Waters. And I'm like, let's slow down, people. When you uh, when you look at, K- you know, I, I get bored and go on these things. Like I got bored and, and found that data about like the, the Indians and their outfielders. I spent like a few hours combing through data because I'm weird and that's fun for me. But going through the data, it's like the number one thing that causes going through like players who were in a top 25 all of baseball prospect list. And if you're a hitter, it was uh, extremely high K rates and big imbalances in, in K rate versus, uh, you know, strikeouts versus walks. So, I don't know. When I see the strikeout rates, I'm like, I'm going to wait and see.
2: Well, it's, a, it's like the, the deep dive I did last week where <laughs> the, the success of Gregory Soto, and I had to look and think about in the last 20 years – who the Tigers have drafted, or excuse me, signed internationally that has been an effective reliever or pitcher. I thought of Jargon Jurgens, but he was more effective at Atlanta. Fernando Rodney came to mind, but I couldn't think of a left-handed reliever the Tigers have signed internationally in the last 25 years. So I understand the whole deep dive concept of just going and going, oh, that's weird. Like, Gregory Sowell is the first one that's throwing near 100 miles an hour and has got a light in the arm virtually out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, you know, I'd be curious to, to, to see if the top five uh, Cleveland outfield uh, draft picks of the last decade combined have a war as high as like Grady Sizemore's best year.
1: I know I'm almost 100 <laughs> percent certain of that. I'm like trying to you know, dig through my tweets now and <laughs> and find it. Uh, but, yeah, it's and, you know, you saying that about the the Latin American thing. I mean, for the longest time, I was talking about that after Rafael Perez, Rafi Lefty, as he was called in Cleveland, the Indians yeah. didn't have a Latin American player make it to the bigs until Danny Salazar, and before Rafi Perez, there had been no one. Else. So they it was the and I did a whole piece that I occasionally post from time to time. And I need to update it, but it was I took twenty five years of you know WAR data, and the Indians were the second worst drafting team in human baseball, and during this time, you know the two thousand and seven team makes it to the ALCS, probably should have won it that year, pollute against Boston. Uh, The 2013 team, which starts the run of the playoff teams, gets there, but essentially they couldn't, uh, they weren't getting any talent out of Latin America or out of their draft classes. Those teams were entirely manufactured out of trades. Uh, Every single player, it's like, you know, the Grady Sizemore, if you look at that core of of players, it's Sizemore, it's Hafner, all trades. It's it's an odd, odd thing that they were for a while. they're able to draft a little bit better now, and they're doing much better with Latin America, but that is, I get, those are some of my favorite rabbit holes to really dig in.
0: Yeah, yeah I remember looking back at that, too, because there were, like, back in the mid-2000s, it seemed like just about everybody they took was a Matt Laporta type, where it was like, ah, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking yeah, of another first baseman
1: but they uh it's always interesting to me because it's you know when they they made the the certain types of guys when you look at naquin and zimmer who were both college outfitters i think zimmer was one of those five guys but uh you know they were both you can go back and look i'm not saying this is an insult i respect the heck out of jim callas and jim callas is one of those guys where i feel like uh you know he's one of like my inspirations to start in this. So I'm not saying this is an insult. This, I don't want anyone to view it that way. I, I love his work. I love everything about him. But both of those guys, you know, he wrote up, had the best hit tools in their entire draft. And it always kind of, that always sticks with me. And, I, and he wasn't alone in it. But in that case, you know, it sticks out a little bit more. And it just, it's a realization that we have no idea how to judge hit tool and what uh, that is in any shape, way, or form. So I'm always kind of, You know, when I look at those Indians types, they drafted Naquin, who supposedly had the best hit tool. But that hasn't been the case. Zimmer's hit tool is his worst offensive tool, and he had the best one in that class. And the Indians were going for these guys who are kind of viewed as the safe guys who were actually not safe, because what's safe is taking the tools that translate. And now that's what they're doing. Like you look at their last draft class, they know what they can translate. And the six players they drafted are all right in their money zone for what they can draft and what they can uh, spot and develop
0: yeah you know i remember carson tucker was kind of one of those guys rising up the draft boards really late and uh i was kind of surprised they took him but then yeah i mean he's he's a guy who does seem to have a pretty a pretty solid base of skills uh you know i think they like his hit tool but even if the hit tool doesn't work it seems like he's got the other things there to, to be a solid player
1: okay so here are the top five outfielders i finally figured i was doing wrong here in order of war that the indians have drafted since 2000 number one is luke scott number two is ryan church number three is tyler naquin number four is ben francisco and number five is bradley zimmer there you go so that is 20 years of drafts so that is their five most productive outfielders and the top two never played in the big leagues with the indians i believe or if church did it was a it was very small but I. Uh, Scott definitely didn't. So, yeah.
0: Tigers fans was are a, intimately familiar with Luke Scott. He was a Tiger killer for a while, I think with Baltimore mostly. Yeah, Baltimore with the
2: Cybers.
0: Uh, the but yeah, that's, that's bad. I mean, we know about that, the Tigers. Uh, we could probably do something similar with Tigers infielders. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, still waiting for them to draft the a shortstop in the first round. Never. Never going to happen. That's still, still what I'm waiting to see happen with yeah. the uh, the Detroit Tigers. But, you know, it's it, it is funny. I was talking about with uh, the show last night, I I, I like a lot of the teams in the central, Um, I respect the heck out of what Kansas City's ownership did um, in terms of stuff. Uh, The Chicago White Sox are one of the few organizations that has been very, like people in that organization openly follow me on Twitter. Like, you know, I hear from other people like, tertiary down the line like that certain organizations read my work but I always appreciate the fact the White Sox are just honest about it because it makes you feel good and with the Tigers one of the things I'm liking right now is I just I'm actually enjoying the pitching staff that's slowly developing for you guys Um, we've talked so much over the years you know my my love of Casey Mize has always been on Front Street Uh, Tarek Skubal I mean I wasn't necessarily the first person but you know I wrote about him at Seattle and I made him one of my sleeper picks Uh, That year and and Manning, I thought was a bit of a reach, but, you know, I was wrong. It happens. And uh, but I I think I was going to ask you guys this question. I know it's your podcast, but is there a more underrated player in baseball um, right now than your current pitcher? Because everyone talks about Matt Boyd. But uh, I'm I'm having a temporary with uh, Turnbull. You see the most underrated pitcher in baseball right now.
0: You know, I, I, you mean, I, I, I haven't gone through and looked at uh, that, but yeah, I do think he was much better last year than he got credit for. I think people still look at like you know, he went three and seventeen or something like that, and he had a rough ERA in the second half. But yeah, I mean, he, he's a really talented pitcher. Who
1: was he out of Alabama? I remember he like was
0: his second rounder out of Alabama.
1: Yeah, because his first two years were in, and then he had a really strong junior year, and Alabama is not great at baseball, so that stood out. I remember that that particular year, but yeah, it's uh, – it, Detroit's building – you're building an Indians-like staff, uh, so it's going to be – but with more ceiling. Well, like, that's, the, uh, that's the hope, I, I, I mean.
2: In terms of, like, for – I mean, you, you see these added about almost, what is it, one one and a half inches of vertical break. And the whip percentage has gone up quite a bit from 32 to 58. I think he's I think he is underrated, Jeff. I think that the biggest thing, and Chris did a breakdown of his last start on YouTube. Um, we started a whole series about starting like, looking at various starts. And the one thing that he's been able to do is go to his all four – he's using all four of his pitches. And he has a spike curveball that really doesn't do anything, but – um, I have to give credit to Austin Romine a little bit to kind of harness him down a little bit because in that last start against Pittsburgh, he he was getting squeezed quite a bit, and you can saw him talk to himself, doing the Mark Fidrich kind of thing, but a lot of people still write off as a reliever. I'd, look, I think that he has the makeup to be a starter. How healthy he stays, I mean, he, he pitched the season high last year in innings, but this year I think is it's a good test for because – you see the the proof is in the pudding a little bit, and having a guy like Romine, a veteran backstop, to help him kind of navigate his way through helps. And I know that it's kind of coaching up a little bit, perhaps, but his stuff has looked a lot different. He's hitting the lower zone, not a lot, lower strike zone, pounding it, and just you can hear it during the game. There's a the velocity increase and quite a bit of movement, but I, I think he's very underrated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the it's it's kind of an interesting conundrum that Tigers have had lately is, is uh, we criticize them for not trading players at the height of their value, holding on to guys too long. But there are a lot of people who kind of want to trade Turnbull now, and it's like, do you, do you really? I mean, he's he's not super young; he's like twenty eight, but that's still fairly young for a pitcher. And he's got you know he doesn't have a ton of innings on his arm. You have got him for four plus more years, and you could have it like a number three starter, maybe even number two, if he continues to uh, improve, you really want to get rid of that it, because you've got some pitching prospects. Like, we, we, we know that these pitching prospects aren't all going to work out. They never do. It, it never works that way. So, I, I don't know. It, it's uh, that's I would. let
2: would ask the Mets that question.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean,
0: just anything. Or even uh, the, Braves. the Braves.
1: I mean, Braves, exactly. everyone talked you, up that staff, and they're struggling to find pitchers right now. Yeah,
0: so I, I feel like, you know, if you've got a... a a guy who could need some innings now and, and looks pretty good, then they should stick with him. But it is an interesting thing. We'll we'll see how it goes uh, down the stretch. He's typically had some shoulder trouble every season, just you know, a barking shoulder, and then doesn't come back quite as well. So we'll see if he can shake that this year. But you know, he's been one of the more pleasant surprises for the Tigers, along with Gregory Soto, who who Roger was mentioning, who was kind of you know, he was a a top thirty prospect in the system. And for years now we said, Okay, this is this is a bullpen arm uh he's not really a starter he doesn't have the control and they used him kind of back and forth last year and it was still not good and then this year he's throwing harder and he's like hitting the corners with almost every pitch it's kind of crazy to see that sort of development but uh, i know you guys have an interesting reliever there in karen shack too that that kind of came from nowhere
1: he's he's an interesting just story in general he was a, a top 200 prospect in that draft class and it was one of the surprises for me and Trying to think if he was in the 10th round or if it was Jesse uh Barid who was a infielder from St. John's. And the Indians had a, a what I considered at the time an odd approach to that draft, which was they uh they didn't do any senior signs. And for both those players, they just offered him slot in their round and they signed. Mm-hmm. Uh and then Karen Chak had a slow rise. He spent a lot of time in Akron, where I spent a lot of time, and he he has some almost borderline like OCD when it comes to his pitching and preparation that I've seen over the years, he's a different kind of cat. I mean, he loves pitching, but he very much is a creature of habit. And I'm curious how that's going to work for him. Uh, long-term as a reliever, the stuff was always great, but there was just, he couldn't, the refinement wasn't there. And then last year that seemed to to kick in and they had a quite a few guys where, the relievers in the lower minors—they finally actually started building up. <coughs> pardon me, started building up a, a, a group of uh, of interesting relief prospects. And I still, I think Karen Jack is always going to be a bit of dealing with fire, especially once teams see him for the first time and the second time and get a little more film and realize that uh, you can kind of wait him out—that he is going to be in and around the zone a bunch. Uh, we've seen a lot of players uh, have you know really big velocity excel, and then it kind of comes undone uh, as teams get uh, more experience with them. Karen Jock's stuff's so good. I don't think he's going to necessarily like not become a you know follow become a quad A type, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm always the one where I give so many disclaimers or you know reasons where I'm like okay. You know this and this so I, I always my other comment on that is like so when i don't give those when i'm the one who's overvaluing someone to the extreme uh for instance uh yandy diaz when he was in cleveland or mike clevenger uh or even shane bieber back when bieber was uh, a prospect uh i had him higher than tristan mckenzie which i had a lot of hate for that amongst indians fans it's the same ones who got mad at me when I made Clevenger the number two prospect and Yandi Diaz number three in the system at the time uh, behind Bradley Zimmer. But there's certain tools that make it easy. It's, it's cheating essentially. It's like I can look at certain statistics and know what statistics are the best indicators. And when guys Excel in those areas, I'm like, okay, you're, you're getting, you're looking at the sexy instead of looking at the productive. Yeah. You know, if you're always trying to find a number one QB um you're going to swing and miss a ton but if you can find someone who's maybe top of the second tier you can still win and i guess that's kind of my baseball approach just trying to find top of second tier talent as often as possible and knowing what gets you there what are the connecting lines um but yeah it's uh i totally lost where we started with okay. that but uh we're just we're talking about some
0: of the pleasant surprises for, for, oh you know, with karen Chalk, Carol, right yeah. and soto and then i mentioned karen check because he's another reliever that i mean I, I started seeing some stuff about him last year just uh i saw some of his uh from his track man data from toledo that was like whoa this guy's actually throwing 100
1: which is yeah he was a like 100 101 uh in akron he got up to uh got to Columbus and got hurt, which was both him. I mean, Nick Sandlin was their second round pick the year before. He was supposed to be in the pen by now, but he missed most of last year. They got really unlucky and some, uh, some arm injuries, but uh, yeah, that's, it's again, it's it's interesting how guys make those, they just, the Indians work with them and talk with them and uh, they can make that refinement where all of a sudden the walk rate gets cut in half or the, the velocity gains, you know, Two to three to four miles per hour. I, sometimes it seems like black magic, but uh, yeah, whatever what they're doing, it seems to be effective. I feel
0: like they all they drink some tea and go into like a sweat lodge and come out as did like change people with third eye vision. And or like, they take a dip in Lake Erie or something. Yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. But no, it's very it's really impressive. But yeah, I don't know. So what uh, what do you think we'll see here in this series? What should Tigers fans be looking for
1: from the, from Cleveland? Uh, you know. <laughs> Adam Plutko is a useful arm, but he has been the guy I've always been... <laughs> pardon me. Got another cough coming through there. Uh, Adam Plutko is a guy I've always been an advocate of trading and selling high on. Uh, he's he's a fifth starter, maybe, uh, but maybe not more, maybe less than that. And him being pressed into action isn't ideal. It's a team that... It, you know, you can go through and read the. I, I yesterday on the podcast, I literally sat and read Lindor and Pletko statements because it's very clear. At the same time, this is a clubhouse that's a little bit uh, angry. Uh, that's I wouldn't call it fractured because there's only two players who are fractured. But I don't know if police and Clavenger are going to be you know open armed welcome back when they come. So there is some clubhouse issue uh, when your star player is repeatedly talking about the need to be selfless. Uh, he's very obviously calling both of those guys selfish, and when the pitcher says he's mad and that you lied to them, uh, I, it's going to be a hard recovery. I'm going to be curious to see what happens, but in this series, I, Sunday is going to be, I would think, the most uh, most winnable game for the Tigers, uh, just in terms of the the matchup, because Pleco is a he's. He's a gamer in the the traditional sense of gamer, meaning not good, not bad, but, you know, not not good Good either. Uh, I would think the Indians probably have the clearest advantage on Friday because Ivan Nova is also a gamer and Aaron Saval has been uh, continued to be pretty steady this year. And Saturday. I mean i'm always going to lean towards the indians having a strong chance and shane beavers on the mound yeah. with what he has uh done this year but again i talked about i i'm i'm very excited to see turnbull in that friday game that's a fun matchup with turnbull versus beaver so that's if you can only catch one game catch that saturday game
0: yeah i'm looking forward to that too beaver's command is so impressive man and the stuff yeah it's crazy you know it's, the command
1: was always there, and the stuff just seems to keep getting better. And uh, what's he throwing? Is it a cutter
0: this year that he's throwing now?
1: That's yeah, he's throwing a cutter. and you know, I had a a little exchange with with Eno on uh, on Twitter the other day. It's the the thing with Bieber is you're not surprised by the the way he's made the jump, and uh, I've come that like if you can be someone who gets that chance, like if you're covering baseball. Uh, spend as much time as you can in the minors because you get to see things and learn things. And it was the time around like the Shane Beavers and Mike Clevengers of the world where uh, they just sit there and that seems to be 90% of their thought is how they're going to get better. And they're taking apart their game all the time. And there's this very analytical cerebral approach which allows someone like Shane Beaver to be like, okay, I'm going to add a cutter. And when I show up in the for this season, it's going to be another weapon. Uh, versus I've seen some top pitching prospects that, you know, were considered top 25 prospects and all baseball completely flame out. And when you talk to them, it's like, you're talking to a cement wall. So <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, a level to the, the game. I would always, I, you know, bring up uh, just not to tear anyone down, but it's like with a Bieber, a guy I always talk about is Thomas pinone who was in the Indian system might have been the, the brightest of the ones and had made it to the majors with just nothing because of that analytical bridge to the game.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I can't think of much else. Uh, I don't know. Is there any, you touched on, you know, guys who might be able to come up and help, or, or I don't know, you mentioned that there's probably not anybody to come up and help. Is there anybody that you expect we might see, uh, you know, prospect
1: wise, at least young player wise. I mean, Nolan Jones is kind of the, the big, uh, the big everything as it were. I mean, he's a, he's a giant human, uh, one of the few guys when I was last year, when I was down in double A, like I felt small next to, he is just, he's long and he's lanky. And if he fills out, uh, he can have even more power, which is frightening because I saw uh, some of the home runs he hit last year were just some of the, because the, Akron's park is uh, very pitcher friendly. So the, what he could do was, it uh, was already pretty amazing and he spent a significant amount of time last year between double A and he's in the alternative site. And if they feel like he's ready and they are itching for something, he could be the call up now. He's never hit lefties well in the minors. He might be kind of a, I don't know if you want to give him a platoon label that early on, but there's going to be some of that. But he also walks at just an obscene rate. And uh, he's probably their best bat Uh trying to think. I think Kyle Nelson is at site and he's uh, an interesting left-hand reliever. Nick Sandlin, who I think who I mentioned earlier, I think is also in their 60-man site. It was kind of sad to see Robert Broom wasn't put there. I'm a big Eli Morgan fan. Like he gets lost in the shuffle with like Moss and Allen and some of the other players, but uh, Morgan uh, had arguably the best pitch in his draft class. And it's it's a change-up that is still, a, you know, it's a plus offering change-up. And when I saw him last year in AA, I thought he was the bat boy. He, he's listed at 5'8", and he may not even be that. So he's not the biggest guy, and that's always going to be what, you know, holds, uh, holds him back a bit. But he's progressed quickly through the minors. He's got that off-speed pitch. I, you know, they're insisting they're going to try him as a starter. I would personally have loved to have seen him already move to a reliever because I think he could have been in the majors by now between the fastball change combo. And as effective as he is with spotting his pitches, his command's been great. So, uh, Eli Morgan might be kind of the deep rookie to pay attention to if uh, they get to that point. All
0: right. Roger, you got anything else you want to... No, I think we covered
2: it quite a bit. In like just, I just saying about offense, but I was drawn a blank because we did cover it earlier and there were... Really much write home about, but Jeff, what's the? uh locked a lot on Indians every day. Is there any written articles that may may be coming up soon that appear somewhere?
1: Uh, when I do write anything, it's it's over on the uh, MLB draft Uh I did my last piece over uh, like on a, my Indian Shadow Draft. That's a, a yearly piece I do, so that's kind of the last thing up. Um, occasionally through that, if I decide, uh, if I get the time, if, and do like a YouTube video or something, I'll, I'll throw it up there. It's just kind of a, a video talking about baseball. Um, as of now, I'm kind of still a free agent. I have some stuff that appears on a few different Indians blogs. Um, you know, it's a uh, baseball content is not in demand by major sites, unfortunately, um, I think the saddest one for me this week was, you know, we had Craig Calaterra losing his spot and then John Sickles, who was the other guy who I give a lot of credit for like showing me that you could write about prospects on the internet, uh, quit baseball. Like Sickles hung it up because uh, I mean, I give him credit. He's like, the, you know, there are people who are doing it better than I am now. So I'm just going to get out of the way, but still to to see us in that time and age was a little bit sad to see this week. But yeah, uh, MLB, draftnow.blogspot.com uh and Locked on Indians. And uh, you can always my Twitter at Jeff at draft. Uh I put some hot takes out there about the Indians. I, I make some bad attempts at humor. Um, and yeah, those are the main places one can find me.
2: Yeah, with Craig, he started his cup of coffee blog today too, which yeah. is a really cool thing. Um, I'm glad to see he's in front of, in front of the podcast. He actually grew up five minutes away from my house, actually. It's kind of strange. Um, small. Strange in the sense of how small the world is. But, Jeff, thanks so much. Looking forward to watching that, that Turnbull matchup for Saturday. And and hopefully, you know, we're going to be doing this YouTube series. I'd love to have you come on and just talk during the game. I think we, we were just kind of doing a uh, just kind of taking a start, dissecting and hopefully Saturday start we can dissect, have you come on, talk about Shane Beaver's probably 12, 13 strikeouts that are coming. I already know yeah. it. I already know it. It's just 17. Too, yeah, 17 strikeouts against this lineup. I mean, Trevor Bauer made the Tigers quick work on both of his starts this year, and I see the same <laughs> i up Saturday.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a f- lot of fun. Uh, now, I'll also be fair. Like, I'm not always, I'm probably the world's worst, like, pitch diagnoser. There's so many times I'm like, oh, was was that a change? Was that a sign? But, you know, I get well, talk about to mechanics. and games on TV. And yeah. the,
2: yeah because uh, our our guy doesn't know our our color guy or play-by-play guy doesn't know what pitches and gets excited about pop-ups but uh we can't talk board games i know you and i have talked we've talked last podcast we've talked a good amount of uh, pop culture references so i can go pop culture and i know you can too so
1: no yeah it's definitely a a fun thing i, I do a lot of my board games and my video games it's definitely uh, during this time of staying in, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's things I miss, but you know, I've always been a bit of an indoor kid to begin with, so yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> I can been, uh, make do a little bit more than than others.
2: Yeah, no, I just got uh, I just got mule league hockey, which was a game that was uh, I spent a few bucks on for a check of Genesis uh, that I've okay. been looking for for a while and like at football, but the hockey the game is tremendously hard.
1: There was like sharks in the ice. Yeah. I, uh, I I remember mutant league hockey and mutant league football. Now, are you old enough to have watched the short-lived cartoon as well? Because yes. I I have memories of watching the uh, the short-lived cartoon, which was uh, nowadays I think it might be relevant about like owner corruption and like contracts and intentionally injuring players occurred in it, and this is all in a kids cartoon.
2: Yeah, that was like yeah. I remember that being on. They originally had it on the afternoons. And then they switched to Saturday mornings for a minute and then it was gone. And then I and I was kind of me- upset about it because I barely, I, this is the day when before, you know, you couldn't record anything on VCR. We had to do the VCR record, like the, the coding and all that crap.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember and that.
2: I just, I wanted to watch it more. And then, like, I, I totally and utterly really forgot about it until a few years ago when my buddy mentioned it as one of those, like, do you remember when? You know, like, Gushers or whatever 90s references. <laughs> and that was one of them because I thought it was a better cartoon than... Nintendo All-Stars, or the, the Wayne Gretzky, Bo Jackson. Oh, yeah. That cartoon was yeah. not that good. Pro Stars. Pro Stars, Pro stars. Yeah. That was not a good... You remember that show, Chris?
0: Yeah, I remember Pro Stars, yeah. Didn't they have the real voices for a couple of them, but not for one? I don't remember. I don't remember that either. I don't know if they had the real voices for any of them, actually. But... I
2: don't I don't think they had the real voices. I mean...
0: I remember they used to do, like, interstitials with the actual players. Yeah. they be like, hey, don't do drugs. Yeah. Don't hey. be a dope... Check out our show Saturday. It was like really bad little recording. Like they could yeah. give it,
2: you know, hoot less. But um, Jeff, thanks so much right. for really joining us and uh, we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me on. It was a fun talk. All
0: right, we'll talk to you soon.